Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football is back in full swing, and even though you might not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is the online casino as well that never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorbacks, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and a <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. told about that inadvertent whistle whatever happened on the last meaningful play of the game i was told it wasn't a backwards pass so you were told it was not a backwards pass that's what i said okay um thoughts on how tough your team played sam what, what did you see on from your perspective on on the spike play same thing you did. The ball went backwards six yards. I saw a fumble and a spike that went backwards six yards. That was head coach Sam Pittman representing the feelings that pretty much all of us are having after just the dreadful game in Auburn on Saturday night. Just totally brutal, which we'll obviously get into uh, here in just a second. Thanks for hitthatline.com for providing that audio. And thank you guys for tuning in to episode number 129 of the Hog Talk podcast. I'm your Monday host, Kyle Sutherland. Along with me is Kevin Bohannon. We are so thrilled to be joined by the godfather of the Hog Talk, Mr. Jacob Davis, the current manager of the Arkansas fight. Jacob, first off, I know that this is probably not uh, the most uh, – it's going to be a fun talk, but I wish that it was under better circumstances that you were coming on. But nonetheless, man, it's been a while and happy to have you on. Yeah, it's been, what, like 25, 26 episodes. And so I'm really glad to be back on. And, and you know, it's the first time I've been on with uh, with Cabo here too. So so that's really cool. That's going to be a first. So, yeah, I'm excited to be on. And, yeah, I wish it was different circumstances. But, hey, it is what it is. And we're going to talk, man. We're going we're gonna to air out our grievances against the SEC, I hope, tonight. Because uh, <laughs> I said on Twitter that I'm – I said on Twitter earlier that I was done. But uh, I, I'm not. I, I promise you I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, it feels like Festivus uh, tonight. You know, the airing of grievances right before Christmas every year. The good old Seinfeld episode. But, yeah, and a lot of people have talked about what happened. We know we know the SEC messed up. That We're going to get into how we could have avoided to get to that point tonight. So, you know, look at some great things, some things we need to work on as we get ready for Ole Miss. 
who had one heck of a game with Bama last night. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, breaking it down here. And that was one of the first things I wanted to say. You talked about some high points, and one of the high points was Felipe Franks. Uh, You guys saw in the group text I was not too happy with how he started off. I know that I've mentioned on here, I've mentioned when I was on uh, hit that, or when I was on ESPN Arkansas earlier this summer, I talked about how skeptical of him I was. Never said that I didn't like him as a quarterback. I am happy to have that experience up on the hill. But nonetheless, I was extremely skeptical in the last two games. Really didn't help that in a, in a positive way. But, guys, I can't say enough about how much he stepped up. He, he was the guy that I – and one side of me was saying that he could be, but I was leaning towards the other a little bit more. But starting off the way that he did, just the way that the whole entire offense did, just not very well, the whole entire team as a whole – um, just cannot say enough of the way that he rebounded for his first ever 300-yard game, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and Davion Warren, another guy that stepped up. How about him? And in, in place of Traylon Burks, Cable, I'll start with you. Uh, the way that he's – we knew that he had a lot of talent, but he's been clearly the best receiver. Yeah, and the fact that – and I hate to keep harping on it, but the fact that last year's staff either couldn't figure out what to do with him or he wasn't stepping up, it's either or – but it looks like the talent was always there, and he's figuring it out now. Coach Bryles, they Coach Step, they know what to do with him now, so they're letting him go. But and we talked about it last week on the show. Is Coach Bryles coming out and scripting his first five, ten, fifteen plays? It looked like he did Saturday night because the second play of each half was a sprint draw, and they went to that a third time. The second time was the only time it worked. But that goes with the quarterback as well. And it's one thing that I talked to a high school coach about the other day that had been in college. And is Felipe Franks comfortable with the script? Obviously, he has to be going into a game because that's the game plan. Or does he like to go in by feel? And that's one thing that him and Coach Bryles have to get used to. And it looked like there for a while he got into a rhythm and it just kept rolling, rolling, rolling to where every everything was being called by feel and not by script. So – as we go further into the season, obviously defenses are going to give us what we can take. But I was really impressed with him. He made great decisions and outside of the first few minutes of the game where we got down 17-0. And I know some of that was being back down. We're limited in play calling. We're down our stud receiver. We're down our stud running back, which Traylon, uh, Traylon Smith filled in admirably for. He just had one heck of a game, over 150 yards receiving and rushing combined so obviously I really did I know we miss Joaquin Boyd but he's filled in so well that everything we talked about and as he did on scout team last year and our defense had a lot of praise for him that he was just a scat back back there but he did a really good job terrible conditions he kept his feet under him he took the extra yards when he needed to but he was a threat in the passing game last night and that's one thing that the Razorbacks haven't had in a long time is that threat out of the backfield and that just adds an extra dimension to this offense which seems to keep picking up speed every every game we go guys Jacob, yeah. what was your thoughts yeah so I was really pleased I mean offensively they really, they have progressed like Cabo said there you know once they get out of that script or if there is a script at all they they start getting in a flow. They start getting you know they're not they they stop concentrating on a you know make sure we convert and they just go out there and play loose and free and and you saw that with Mike Wood. You saw that with Davion Warren, a, a guy that stepped up. Uh, Traylon Smith, another guy that stepped up. Like like you guys said, uh, I'm very pleased by what 
uh, Arkansas has been able to do offensively. Obviously, they came out and, and had over 400 yards of offense. That was impressive, uh, despite the slow uh, start they had offensively where they were down 17 nothing. I mean, to some special team gaps. I mean, you're really going to have to fix those. Uh, it seemed like every possession after Arkansas would go uh, on a drive and they would have to punt it away, it seemed like there was an illegal procedure or, or something going on. They are, they're going to have to clean that up. And it's like you guys said in the pod on Friday, that if, if Arkansas had issues on special teams, it was going to cost them. And, yes, that did cost them despite uh, the, the call, the blown call that, you know, I don't want to get into right yet, but um, there there were several things that Arkansas could have done uh, to win the game uh, instead of having to rely on a last-second call, you know. So, yeah, talk, I was pleased. Talking about the offense, you know, I talked about – I mentioned just a second ago how Felipe Franks started off slow and then just took off. Well, obviously, as the quarterback takes off, so does the offense. First five drives that they had, they only had 54 total yards – and then, as you mentioned, Jacob, they went for over 400. But the way that Blake Kern stepped up, I know coming into this season, I want to say he only had one catch. And he has done some pretty good things in the first two games, at least whenever they've needed him to. Hudson Henry had 20 yards receiving last week, caught one of the touchdown passes. What, what was going on with him? Why, why – I mean, I know that Kern did pretty well, but what do you think is – that he's just not ready to be out there as a starter? Or what, what is it? I think he's not ready to block. And that's the big thing that the tight end has to do in this offense. And you've seen he's more of an H-back type. He's right in there. He's a sniffer, which they which we call him if they're right in behind the guard or tackle. And Kern is more physical right now. And that's what's going to get him more reps. Obviously, you see if they go off the play-action pass where the tight end H-back slides out into the flat. And then my favorite route, you go from the flat to the wheel route, which Blake Kern had for the big 35-yard reception that, took up a lot of the chunk of the yards he had. But for him to be able to be there, block, do the things that he's not supposed to do when he doesn't have the ball, and then when he gets the chance to have the ball and a target, he's going to catch the ball and he's going to get yardage out of it. So that's my opinion. That's what I see from my perspective. Uh, Jacob, what do you think? So, I, I mean, I really like the way Blake Hearn catches the ball out of the backfield. Uh, if you remember Vern Lundquist in, in the game against LSU in 2007, uh, Peyton Hillis caught a ball and, and Vern Lundquist said, he's got hands. He's got good hands. He's got Terry Glenn hands. And I really, I really think that uh, Blake Hearn has some really good hands. Uh, obviously, the blockings, uh, he, he does a really good job on uh, running routes. He's a crisp route runner. Kind of reminds me a little bit of A.J. Derby. And that, that kind of wheel route is one that reminded me of the A.J. Derby touchdown against Alabama in 2014 That's that right. they ran. So, and I mean, obviously, A.J. Derby, he was a junior college walk-on uh, at Arkansas coming out of Iowa Central Community College uh, back in the 2013 class. And so, there, there's, there's some uh, – things I mean you kind of look uh, and see that it's similar with uh, Blake Hearn and A.J. Derby uh, a guy that's physical he wants it more out of a kid that's coming out of a small school out of Paris Arkansas uh, he wants to prove himself and, and that's really you know you see it obviously I'm not going to get off too off too too far off topic here but uh, you see Blake Hearn you see so many of these other uh, preferred walk-ons uh, on this roster that are playing above their ranking playing above their uh, their talent or their ability. Uh, they're, they're playing out of their minds right now, you know, 
and and that comes up to coaching and and right now uh the tight ends coach and uh and that offensive coordinator Kendall Brawls has done a good job getting uh getting Blake Kern in matchups that that suit his abilities and he's done well what about the offensive line I thought that they actually played pretty well I might be in the minority on that but yeah, there was, they were getting to Felipe some, but for the most part, I thought that they looked a little bit more improved. So their pass blocking grade last year, pro football focus had them at 63 for, for one game, I believe. And they've had it for three straight games this year. So the run blocking was not quite there. We, we did have over 100 yards on the ground, but we only averaged, I think, 2.8 yards per carrier, maybe three. And then the, the pass blocking was a lot better. Of course, Felipe Franks in the decision-making, he takes a lot of those hurries on himself because if he gets four or five seconds to throw and they're still getting on him, that's on him. So I think they did a, a lot better job. I believe that Felipe Franks is better on the run. He's a better passer on the run. So look for them to start moving the pocket a little bit more. They haven't done a whole lot of that so far this year. They've done a lot of play action and straight drop. And then RPO, of course, the, the play to Mike Woods was a great example of that where he, uh, Felipe Franks, rode it up in there into the line. Mike Woods stepped behind the linebacker, high-pointed the ball. He high-pointed the ball. Trey Knox didn't. Uh, that's been a real disappointment. But, yeah, the, the, the line's been really good. But I'll be really anxious to see if they start moving the pocket more in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, like Cabo said there, uh, he's really good on the run, passing the football, I think. Uh, five of his seven touchdowns he's thrown this season were on the run. Yeah, that's. I was actually going to make that point too. Is some of the things that I was. We talk about him being better on the run than just sitting in the pocket. I noticed that. I had told you guys that I'd watched some film on him when during his Florida days. And some you look at him in the Peach Bowl against Michigan, and there was plenty of other ones that you could point to throughout the regular season while he was there. Uh, that's just that that he he is one of those guys. It was. It's kind. Of, I'm not comparing him to Cam Newton, but we talk about when when Cam Newton is at his best is when he's on the run. Whenever they tried to, I guess it was 2016 or 2017 is when they tried to really alter him and make him a pocket passer and his play just decreased. And so um, I, I thought overall, man, I mean, you got to really give, especially from the first quarter on, that the offense just really turned it up a notch. And, um, you know, obviously they kept us in the game, should have probably won the game, which we're going to get into, as Jacob said here in just a second. But uh, the defensive side of the ball, defensive, we'll, we'll switch to the defensive line. They're, they've been getting pressure. I think they had a, maybe two sacks yesterday. Um, or as I guess as this drops Monday, I always do that on Saturday. But uh, overall, yes, it was definitely not as good as it was against Mississippi State. A lot of missed tackles, some sloppy play. Uh, but guys, I want to point out Hudson Clark again. Uh, when he he got picked on a little bit from they were using Schwartz and a couple other guys to really uh, get on him because in single coverage, you know, he's just not that experienced. But wasn't that him with with less than three minutes left? Whenever they stopped him on third down and then missed the 34-yard field goal. I believe he was the one who made that stop there. Yeah, he went up and got the ball out of Seth Williams' hands there in the end yeah. zone. Yeah, great play. And then yeah. and, and then Seth Williams almost caught the pass, and Joe Fouché had to come over the top and, and uh, ultimately uh, bat it away too. So, yeah, Hudson Clark's been playing incredible. Yeah, we think about that and just talking about them really heat, just the team overall heating up and really starting to hang with these guys and make the comeback. I truly, and I don't want to go back to, I know Cabo, you mentioned that we, have, we don't like to go back to the previous staff, but think about what this game would have been had that staff probably been here and well, then down 17 nothing. Yeah, and they fought. We saw back. it. 
we saw it last year. It was seventeen nothing in the first quarter and ended up fifty one to ten. Yeah. So yeah, we have a great comparison right there. We got down seventeen nothing, and then we had a great offensive drive. We needed that to have any kind of momentum in this game, and we we kept hanging in there every time Auburn would deliver a punch. And I'll give it to our defense. They 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 bent. They broke a few times, but they hung in there when they needed to. But the Auburn play calling as well, which we've seen in the past, whether it be Gus Malzahn or Chad Morris, they didn't stick to what they needed to do. Tank Bigsby ran down our throat the first half. Second half, they came out. They wanted to get Bo Nix into play. It stopped raining. They thought they could use the stretch the field a little bit, and they did with Schwartz. He's a dynamic player. Seth Williams was a little banged up, and they got to him a few times. But there were a few times down the goal line, and a lot of Auburn beat writers have said, and I saw in USA Today, that you get down inside the goal line, why weren't they running the ball? And I, was, I questioned y'all about that last night. You run for almost 200 yards and a half. Why do you come out and throw the ball? So, granted, Barry Odom made some good adjustments, and they don't, their offense only scored two touchdowns on us last night. That's the way I see it. And so, you know, Hudson Clark did a really great job. Kyle, like you mentioned, they did pick on him some. He will go and tackle you. That's what I love about cornerbacks that will come up and lay the wood. But he's he's his past defensive skills are not quite there yet, and you can see that. That's why he was a walk-on. He's 175 pounds, but he's got heart, and he's going to go out there and play. So kudos to them. we got some guys that are banged up right now, and hopefully we get them back in the next weeks. A pretty big area of concern is special teams. We talked about how it's really nice just to have – I don't think that Barry Lunny – and and as I say all the time, I think that some really, really bad plays made a special teams unit, especially in 2019, look a lot worse than it was. I don't think that he did a bad job per se. I think it was just kind of one of those deals where he was focusing on multiple different groups, and that's just not really his background. You bring in a guy like Scott Fountain, who's one of the most established special teams coaches in the entire country, very well respected, kind of like how Sam Pittman has been as a recruiter and an offensive line coach all these years. And your special teams has not been <laughs> that amazing, especially for the first three games. You're bad in both coverage teams. And then on Saturday, you drop the punt in the end zone that turns into a touchdown. And then you miss on your first three point after attempts, one of them being a messed up, messed up uh, extra point, And then over two on two point conversions. Are we, is it, is it at that time yet that where we should start panicking there? We'll start with you, Cabo. It's getting there, and I and I will say this: I I wanted to come to the his defense Scott Scott Fountain's defense last night on the third legal procedure play when we were in tight punt formation, and the second guy to the left of the center was not on the line of scrimmage. But you're right; it does go back to coaching. We need to figure it out and get it back to basics really quick. I don't know what they're trying to do with the punt game, but every time it seems like we line up for a punt. We don't know who's supposed to be on the line of scrimmage and who's not. We know we're supposed to have four off the line, seven on the line. If we can figure that out, we're going to be golden. Kick the ball out of bounds. I know the weather was bad. Auburn kicker did it as well, but we got to limit those mistakes. If they're going to give us the ball on the 40-yard line, we can't give them the ball on the 40-yard line. So it's getting to that point, Kyle, you're right, but I think they need to shore some things up, but this will probably be the last time we can say that. Yeah, Coach Fountain's a good coach. I mean, he didn't. He's not just a two-time uh, national championship game 
coach. I mean, on the special teams front. I mean, he he's earned his right to be the uh, be the special teams coordinator here, and and I know he's going to get it right. It's just going to. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know how hard it is to uh, get it figured out. From the time you're in peewee all the way up to high school and all the way to college, it's the same. It's the same uh, thought concept the whole time. You know, line up right, line up correctly, go down there and kill a man. It's easy. Where, where's the coverage? Where on, on both punt and kick? You know, like Cabo said, and you know, I kind of got you know aggravated with it. I mean, when at time after time after time after time. I mean, it seemed like every drive Arkansas would put it away, there was obviously a penalty. Uh, then you then you had, what, two or three kickoffs that, that went out of bounds. I mean, yeah, things things have to be figured out. You know, uh, if you can't cough and corner punt it, just kick it out of bounds. And if you, and if you, you know, know that the kick's going to get caught in the wind, kick it as far right as you can and or as far left as you uh, – or wherever the wind's blowing, just, just kick it away where – where the wind's not going to take the ball, just just kick it through the end zone or something, you know. It's kind of get it kind of gets aggravating after a while, but but Scott Fountain will get it figured out, and, and Arkansas will get better, and it better get better next week because Ole Miss has plenty of athletes. Yeah, and we talk about that so many different times on here. Is yes, it, all those big tackles to to st- stop somebody on a fourth down to win the game or making that big catch, making that big throw. Those are all great, but those special teams plays are just as crucial to either turning the momentum or even winning a game, as we see a lot with last-second field goals and extra points and stuff. So, well, we're up against a break real quick. We're going to uh, we're going to talk about the, the dreaded play, talked about the positives just now, and then we'll get into what our thoughts were immediately and kind of how we're feeling with it with a little time there to marinate. So we'll be right back in just one sec. Stay with us. The Hot Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. We're back on episode number 129 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Kevin Bohannon, Kyle Sutherland, and Jacob Davis, the current manager of the Arkansas Fight, joining us. And guys, so we talked about in the first segment the uh, the really bad, or the, I guess the really good. Now we get to the really bad. Jacob, I'll start with you. Just what was? I, I know that it was anger. Everybody still feels that. But what was your instant reaction once you got the call and then the field goal went through and and we officially won the or lost the game? Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm going and looking around. I'm like, okay. So obviously, Bo Nix is going to spike it here. He's going to. He's going to try to do, you know, do what he can, conserve clock, get it down, get the ball in the right position, and they kick the field goal to win. Now, obviously, that was what was going to happen. That's what we all knew was going to happen. And 
the the center, you know, mishandled the snap. Bo Nix fum, uh, had it fumble, picked it up, and I saw him throw it right beside him. I said, "That's a fumble. That's a backwards lateral." And and it goes back in in, in, in within two seconds. Joe Fuchet's back there uh, running after it. Auburn players trying to get it too. And I'm thinking, okay, that's Arkansas's ball. We have a break here. And and I'm thinking Arkansas is going to win this game. But I heard the whistles blow, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they just blew the play dead. And as we were going through it. And, and, and throughout the uh, review, I'm saying that's a live ball. That's a live ball. Arkansas's ball, we get, the, uh, we get to nail it and get out of Auburn with a victory and go home two and one. And, and I knew that's what was going to happen. And then you uh, go throughout watching the video, and there's the guy with the, uh, that put it on Twitter later that you saw the, the – uh, the, the replay official or, or the umpire over there watching watching the replay, and he mouths the words, dang, I messed up. <laughs> and you're thinking, yeah, you all messed up. And when the field goal was put up and it was good, I went outside and cooled off for a second. I was, I was furious. And I know I'm supposed to be a little bit, you know, less biased than – than you know the average fan but it still hurts when you when you put your heart and soul into covering a football team and you know that Arkansas fought back from down 17 nothing and to to win the game become eight seconds away from winning a football game and it take it's taken away from you because of a officials call this should never you know it affect the outcome, but it is what it is, and not every official you know that, that oh crap, and it sucks. It sucks for Arkansas, and it obviously sucks for for the kids on their football team, but. You want the SEC to come out and say they're sorry, but obviously they didn't do that either. So I think that's what they need to that. Last night, I went on until about 3 30 in the morning, uh, tweeting my, my grievances with the SEC. You can go back there on my profile, my Twitter profile, at uh, Makes you disappointed that happened. So the biggest thing that I saw, and I'm gonna break it down real quick. Kudos to Jonathan Marshall. He has had he has done a great job being a team captain. He blew the center up, and you see spread offenses that are in the gun 95, 97 percent of the time. They have trouble going under center, especially with wet ball, bad conditions. It set up perfectly for us. So it all happened kind of in slow motion for me. And like when Jacob said, when he, when he bobbled the snap and threw it backwards, that's a live ball. Having been an official, been in a similar situation, you, you do preventive officiating. You know, okay, this is going to be the situation. Like Jacob said, everybody knew he was going to spike it. What goes through your head as an official? Okay, this can happen. One of three things can happen. They can spike it. 
They can fake it or it can be a fumble. Not many other things can happen. So for them to jump the gun and blow it dead, and you mentioned the replay, the official uh, referee, when he got under the, the hood and you saw the grimace on his face, he was like, oh, we're going to have issues after this. And, and, you, and we did. And it's unfortunate. But I want an explanation of you do have continuation, even though the whistle blew, that rule came into effect a few years ago that you can overturn the and rule it for Ar- the ball to go to Arkansas. That's what I want to know. Why was it not Arkansas's ball? I know we can't go back and overturn the outcome of the game. That's been tried before with the NCAA. But that that's what was, was very bad. I had 14 phone calls within the first three minutes. Why did this happen? I need an explanation. So, and then numerous text messages, but it, it's very bad. I hate it. It's unfortunate. But like we said, we were six to 15 on first on third downs. If we get a first down with 242 remaining and don't go three and out, we're not in this situation. So it should never come down to the officials. It did. And I wouldn't be surprised if the SEC comes down and reprimands those officials if they're suspended a week or two or for the rest of the season. But it shouldn't happen. Everybody says, it means more. Well, it meant more last night, and it did come out Arkansas's favor. Yeah, that's pretty much where I've been. I think I've told you guys is like you've got – and that's what I've always preached is that you've got 60 minutes to win the game. Now, normally, whenever I've said that, it's been the team that has been behind that gets screwed on a call in, in most cases that of the games that I can think of. Now, I realize in this case – had they had they overturned it like they should have, then the Razorbacks would have won, no question. But that's where I'm at with on you. As much, as bad as it stings, as as mad as I truly am, I, I feel like I did a pretty good job of keeping my cool for the most part, at least from an outward appearance, not necessarily inside. I was boiling, but pretty much the conclusion that I came to is we just have to accept it because like you said it ain't it's not not necessarily accepted in our hearts but we have to accept it in the fact moving forward because i've seen some petitions floating around on facebook to have it overturned (laughs) it's not gonna happen (laughs) no matter what happens it's just it, it won't happen and so that's just the the way that the cookie crumbles and so i look at things from a glass half full perspective at least i i always try to and i think back to and we've talked about so many times on this pod that from march until about three about about maybe a month ago we didn't have a whole lot of stuff to talk about so every single week we're just scraping up content just like everybody else's and i've talked about how i can't imagine what the guys that do three hour radio shows five days a week we're going through when we do one for 30 minutes to an hour one or two for 30 minutes to an hour a week and i can think back to about a month or in the past two months especially kevin when we did that episode with lance taylor from the triple a is making out notes and making out a prompt for a show and thinking, man, we're sitting here talking about what could possibly happen and it might not happen. And the fact that we are able to still continue to play and the fact that we have a team that we can be proud of, that is what I am basically hanging my hat on because I know that it's just not going to be overturned. I'm again, I'm, I can't express how furious it makes me knowing that we had this in Auburn. Yeah. I, it wasn't all about beating Chad Morris and Gus Malzahn for me because, you know, our, Gus has Arkansas ties and we all know the whole Chad situation. But I'm just – I'm mainly thankful that we just have uh, have something to look forward to because I think that this team is going to win a couple more games. Definitely. And uh, you made that point. And 
guys, we, we were expected to be one and two right now. Some had us at 0 and 3 because they didn't know if we could beat Mississippi State or not, especially after they beat LSU. So we are one and two. I kind of got excited when Jacob sent out a text today saying we're two and one and tied for second in the SEC West. And I was like, hold up, did that something actually happen? Because I was out of pocket for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I know he was messing with us. But yeah, guys, it's, it's not going to change. But we, we are thankful that we do have a team to be proud of, like Sam Pittman said. And in his post game speech last night in press conference, he said, this team is done being embarrassed. We're done embarrassing this university, embarrassing the state of Arkansas. And it's like I said on Facebook and I said last week, I'm proud of this team. I'm proud of the direction it's going. We've made a great hire. He did a phenomenal job hiring his assistants and his coordinators. So this is behind us. Let's move on to Ole Miss. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I was, I was just basically going to say is that's pretty much where I'm at because I'm wondering if we're going to get a Ole Miss team that is really mad and <laughs> wants to take it out. Because you know that we're going to be really mad. But oh, yeah. are they, they going to be mad, but are they also – are they going to be tired? What was it, 1,300 yards on Saturday? I mean, with what yeah. they had – I mean, and the fact that they hung with Alabama, it's crazy, guys. But it's looking like Ole Miss through two, three games is looking like that they are the second-best team in the SEC. You can argue them or A&M, but who would have thought we would be there? I, did, I didn't think that LSU would be close to the bottom. Yeah, they had five, 647 yards of offense last night against Alabama. That's and, uh, most in, most in <laughs> saving history. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we talk about – like, the, I know that, that it's pretty obvious that they are not able to stop the run. They're really not able to stop anybody on defense. But that's the question, too, that's going to be – a lot of the – a lot of the articles that you see throughout the week before each game talks about, you know, five questions that we're wanting to know. And I think that definitely one of them is possibly, are we going to be able to stop, are we, are we going to be able to continue the uh, offense that we had against Auburn and keep that momentum going? I think that we can, because that's another point that I wanted to make just a second ago is I feel like that they're going to take this and yeah, they're still probably hurting for at least until we get to the next, the beginning of the week, which we're at now. And I think that this coaching staff is going to make them understand that it, it does move on. And we're on to another team now. They still have the opportunity to win six – they have the opportunity to win six more games. I think that they can definitely win at least maybe – I would say possibly two. I definitely think they're going to get at least one, but possibly two. This team has definitely – now they haven't put it all together for one game. I guess you could say they kind of did in the second half yesterday. But – if they if they can stick to what these coaches, which I think they have 100% bought into what these coaches have been selling to them, and they continue to do that, they're going to be in such great position. Um, and it's and it's a young team. It really brings a lot of memories back to the Petrino squad that his first year that in terms at least of them playing a tough schedule with a bunch of young guys, we saw how good that turned out for them moving forward. Yeah, that that year they had to play Texas in Alabama back to back. It was brutal. So it's going to be interesting to see these guys are going to respond because they have something to prove. And talking about Ole Miss, Matt Corral, that offense, they're really good. Jerry and Ely is one of the best athletes. He could have gone in the first round of the Major League Baseball draft last year. He ran a 6-1-9 at a pro day 
for a perfect game. And I wanted to see him on the football field. And he's like, well, I'm going to go to Ole Miss and I'm going to play both. Well, that was going to be great because he's in the SEC. But he's great. Snoop Connor, they've got some big, tall wide receivers like they always do, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, out there. And Lane Kiffin, he, he's a really good offensive mind. He's an offensive genius. You can throw that term out there. So, but they can't stop anybody. So, we have to rely on our defense to make a stop or two and be efficient. We talked about Felipe Franks and his efficiency. He's got to be efficient. He completes 75% of his passes next Saturday, throws for 300 yards and four touchdowns. We're going to be in the game and have a chance to win. And I think we have a chance to win or be in the game against the rest of our schedule, Sands, Florida, maybe, and Alabama. So, we'll have a shot. Well, Jacob, uh, before we get out of here, uh, that just about do it, for, I think, for today's show. But uh, we'll talk about what some things you got going on at the Arkansas fight. I know you guys have uh, been doing really well, especially since the beginning of the season, and, and talk about what you guys have going on there. Yeah, you have no idea. You know, when I when I decided to leave Hog Talk and, and pursue Arkansas fight, you know, like I have, it was hard. You know, you <laughs> you, you started out in March, and you, you had the SEC tournament, and then boom, covid ends everything but man uh, I've really you know put together a good staff uh, I've brought a couple of guys on uh, Ben Brandon and and Ryan Bolden are, are they're preparing us for uh, Razorback basketball season I've got Adam Ford who who if you haven't read his articles on on ArkansasFight.com you need to go check those out uh, he does a big time stats analysis every single week uh, one uh, reviewing uh, the the previous game with his box score analysis. And then uh, he does a stat study on, uh, on Thursday afternoons or Thursday mornings, about 11 o'clock. We release those uh, that previews the uh, next opponent. And then I just kind of, you know, do whatever I want to do. So <laughs> yeah, we have a really good, we have a really good team right now and things are really starting to, you know, look up uh, and, and I'm really starting to see the traction uh, and the excitement come uh, into Arkansas fight like it used to be. Arkansas fight was a big thing about uh, five years ago when Doc Harper and John Neighbors and all those guys were on there. And hopefully uh, I can bring them back and generate some more excitement uh, with, with what I can bring to the site. So, yeah, I'm glad to be on tonight. Hopefully we can uh, get together back uh, 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 again soon. Uh, I'm, I'm just really grateful for you guys and, and uh, all the support y'all have given me and, and man, y'all are killing it at a hog talk. I'm telling you, like this is this is something I never dreamed that it, uh, I dreamed of it being this, but I never thought uh, two years ago when when I thought about this, you know, becoming a a real deal that it would become what it was in such a short time, or what it has become in such a short time. Kyle, Cabo, Ty, Porter, uh, Keith, y'all have done an incredible job so far, and y'all just keep building it up. Well, and backtracking a little bit to what you were talking about, you know, we we had our hundredth episode a few months ago, and we and at the time it was just you, myself, Porter, and Ty, and we were I guess this was right before we brought Cabo on, and so we got on and we were all able to hop on a Zoom call for the first time that all of us had been on at the same time. That was the only in the in the podcast entire history, and it, man, I guess you brought you really started this about. I know you started the podcast about a year or year and a half ago, yeah. but started with the, the articles and then you and I, I guess, connected around this time two years ago and I helped you out with some writing and yeah. we, we all joined up. And so all of that said, really what this came, it started off as just 
pretty much some articles here and there and then consistent ones. I think, I think you said at one point you were putting out eight a week and then we were picked up by a network at the beginning of August at the, for believe podcast. Yep. And now we have joined the hit that line ESPN Arkansas network. And we're very excited about that. We had, had a couple of episodes released on there already, but uh, very happy to be joined with them with Ty and Tommy, Matty T, Matt Jenkins, Phil Elson, all that are associated. Um, it's an honor to be on the same network and, just to be considered uh, to be on two. Uh, I, I didn't really ever dream that I, that I personally would get to this point. You know, you guys have really helped out with that among with so many other people. And so we uh, just wanted to make that announcement. If you haven't heard already that we have been picked up by hit that line as well as being with believe. And so we're just very fortunate. 2020 has been a tough year for everybody, but um, you know, I know for, for us and, and I, I, I've been very blessed this year, just with some, you know, being able to come back to Arkansas and the position that I'm in right now, just being where I, I live. I love it. I love being back home. And, uh, man, it's just can't, can't say enough about the blessings that we have received here this year. So thank you guys for all that, for your support, for the likes, for the shares. And be sure to go to ArkansasFight.com, read Jacob and Ben and Ryan's articles. A lot of great stuff they have going over there. And, of course, they're on all social media platforms as well. So I think that will do it for episode number 129 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. We will see you Friday. Thanks again. Take care. We will catch you next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube